so by my count, there are only five of you in the room, um, front row people. You know the kind of people I'm talking about? They sit on the front row now. I admit, everybody who's sitting on the front row tonight pretty much has to sit on the front row. But how many of you, um, I know those of you in the back, you're exempt from this question. How many of you, if you're going to an event, if you can get to the front, other than church, of course not church, but if you're going to go to an event, you will try to get as close to the front as you can. Let me see your hands. Yeah, there's a lot of you, all right? I remember seeing your hands, and I also know those of you who go to church here regularly, how most of you always sit in the back. So we'll talk about that later. You know, when we talk about coming to the front row, there's the anticipation or the idea that you're going to see something, that you're going to get in at the beginning of something. We, we talk about having a front row seat to something. Uh, you know, when we think about the Christmas story, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I get paid to sit around in a dark office and think about things like this. I, I, how do we know? How, how do we know what happened that night? I mean, there were so few people who were actually there who continued on through the story of the life of Jesus at the end that how do we know what happened? Well, well the answer is, I think, pretty simple. The people who wrote the Gospels went back and interviewed a very key witness, somebody who had a front row seat to the birth of Jesus, and her name was Mary. And so we know most of what happened at the Christmas story that first night because Mary told people about what took place. Now, I know for you dads who are in the room, this is not true. But, but women, you, those of you who are mothers in particular, uh, you tend to remember the events of your children's birth, right? Now, dads, even if you're in the room, you don't remember much, I know. But, but for, the, for, for the wives, they, they tend to remember things that happened. It's a significant moment in the life of the entire family. And so those moments stand out. What took place? And Mary, just like anybody else, had a front row seat and she remembered the things that took place and she rehearsed them over and over again in her mind and and in her heart. But it wasn't just at the birth of Jesus where Mary had a front row seat. She actually had a front row seat to Jesus' entire life. And so tonight what I want to do is I just want to look at the Christmas story through the eyes of Mary who had this front row seat. And I want to learn what we can from her about what we can know about Jesus and how we can also have a front row seat on his life as well. Mary had a unique perspective on Jesus. Before anybody else knew about God's plan, before anybody else knew what God was up to, an angel appeared to Mary and began to tell her what was going to take place. And I think that for the rest of Mary's life, on whatever day that Jesus was born, and we don't know that it was December 25th, we picked that day to celebrate it, but whenever it was, Mary thought about the events of that night. And she thought about the life of this son that she had born. And she thought about God's amazing plan. And so here's how it began. In Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, it says this, In the sixth month, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was, help me out kids, what was her name? Mary, that's right. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Isn't it interesting how all through the Bible, fear always seems to accompany people who have an encounter with an angel or with God? You know why? Because if you had an encounter with an angel, you'd be afraid too. 
It, it, was, it was not just a terrifying event. It also meant that something was about to change. Life was about to change. Anytime you encounter God, the creator, it means something significant is about to happen and life is about to be different. Maybe that's why so many of us so often resist encountering God today. Maybe for some of you, that's why you really only come to church a few times a year. Because quite honestly, you're just not sure if you can trust God with your life. You're not sure if you can trust him to give you directions. And every time you encounter God, there's the possibility that maybe he would call on you. He would call you to be something, to do something, to give something, to, to live a certain way. And so Mary was afraid. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name, what's his name? Jesus, very good. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm still a virgin? In other words, Mary said, hey, that all sounds fantastic. That sounds like an amazing plan, and we need a Savior. In fact, we've been waiting on a Savior for hundreds and hundreds of years, but there's only one problem here. Me. I'm the problem. I'm not qualified. I'm not, I'm not ready. Surely you've got the wrong person. It can't be me that you're calling on. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Will you just say that with me? Nothing is impossible with God. Now one more time like you really believe it. Nothing is impossible with God. Now, it's interesting that the angel says that the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow Mary. The literal translation for that means to exceed you in importance. In other words, God's got a plan that is so much bigger than you, Mary. It doesn't depend on your ability. It doesn't depend on your knowledge. It doesn't depend on your power or who you know. God's plan is bigger than you. And he is going to accomplish his plan because nothing is impossible with God. And listen to Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And the Lord and the angel left her. Mary was willing to be used by God. Despite the fact that she was not qualified, despite the fact that she was so young, despite the fact that she was not powerful, she was available. And throughout the Bible and throughout all of human history, that's what God is looking for. People who are available, who are willing to be used. She didn't have to understand it all. She didn't even have to believe it all. She simply had to be available. And then it says something very interesting. Luke says this, and this is one of the reasons I believe we get this story from Mary herself. Listen to what Luke said in Luke two nineteen. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart, just like any mother would. It literally means that Mary began to put all the pieces together, that she began to think about it. She began to reason through what was happening. And you know what would happen? She would spend the rest of her life trying to put things together. Shortly after this, she would take the baby 
and Joseph, and they would go to the temple where she would meet an old priest by the name of Simeon and an old woman by the name of Anna. And this, this priest who would dedicate this child would say that this child would be the salvation for his people. And then he said something very odd. He said, and a sword will pierce your own heart. And Mary thought about that. She didn't know what that meant as she held this newborn child. And then some years later, she and Joseph took Jesus back to Jerusalem to the, uh, the Feast of Passover And we find out that Jesus goes into the temple. And and as Mary and Joseph and the whole caravan of their friends and family leave Jerusalem, they thought Jesus was in the crowd with everybody else. And they look around and they find out Jesus isn't there. So they start to look for Jesus. And if you've ever had that moment where you've looked around and realized you were missing one of your children, you can know the panic that was in that mother's heart. And so they made their way back to Jerusalem. They spent three days looking for Jesus only to find him in the temple talking to the rabbis, listening to their teaching. And they took the child and they said, what were you thinking? And Jesus looks and says, didn't you know that I'd be in my father's house? What a strange thing. What a strange thing for this child to say. And here's what it says in Luke 2, 51. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. See, there she did it again. She started thinking. She started trying to put it all together. This is no ordinary child. Something's different about this kid. An angel announced his birth. I was a virgin when he was born. The the shepherds came. There were wise men from the east that came. This priest said some very odd things and now he calls the temple his father's house so mary would continue to think about jesus and who he was and what he meant and and even we we read the story in the gospels about how one time when he was older and teaching and there was controversy around jesus and the religious leaders were skeptical and beginning to to try to trap jesus mary and jesus other brothers came to try to take jesus away That Mary thought, Jesus, what are you doing? What are you saying? And then, finally, the religious leaders and the political leaders colluded together and they arrested Jesus on trumped-up charges. They sentenced him to death. And they hung him on a cross. And the same person who had had a front-row seat to the announcement of his birth, the same person who had a front-row seat as Jesus was born on that night in that stable, the same person who had a front row seat to his dedication, who heard Simeon say that a sword would pierce her own heart, stood and watched her son die. And the words of Simeon came rushing back to her as her heart was pierced. And she watched her son die. John 19, 25 says, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. She had a front row seat to his birth, a front row seat to his death. And she flashed back to that night in that stable long ago, and she thought, she thought they'd lost him forever, only to find in three days that he was raised from the dead. Perhaps tonight you come here because you're obligated because you're with family, because it's Christmas Eve and you just think it's maybe there's some reason you should be in church. But you find yourself reflecting on more than just the Christmas story. Tonight, maybe like Mary, 
you're trying to put it all together in your head. All the events of your life, all the things that don't make sense, all the questions you have about God, the plans you thought would be, the life you thought you would have. And you might even be thinking to yourself, what difference does this old, familiar story have for me? Well, the truth is, this story is more than just a historic reality. That the life of Jesus Christ calls out to all of us to do what Mary did. To humbly receive him. You don't have to understand it. You certainly don't have to be worthy of it. None of us ever could be. Maybe even tonight, you would question even if you believe it all. But tonight, tonight God invites you to have a front row seat. Maybe like Mary, you're afraid. Maybe you're confronted with the overshadowing power of a God and you're just not sure about this God. Is he waiting to pass judgment on you? Or is he there to show you love? Well, the good news is if you have the front row seat, you see that Jesus, in fact, did come to show us that God is a God who loves us. Maybe you're sitting on the front row and you have doubts. You have doubts about God's plan. You have doubts about your own abilities, about your worth. Maybe you don't understand it. Maybe you don't even believe it, but you believe enough to open yourself up to just a little bit of hope. Just a little bit of hope that there's something more to the story. Maybe tonight you're confused. You're confused by Jesus. You're confused by what he says, by what he did, or at least what you've been told about him. Maybe tonight you're broken. And like Mary, you stand at the foot of the cross, and it feels like a sword is piercing your own soul. And you recognize that what Jesus came to do, he came to do for you. Not just to be born for you, but to die for you. That you don't have to live your life with shame and regret and doubt and fear. You can live with the hope of a God who so loved the world that he would take on flesh and come to live among us. To show us God's love and to save us from our sin. To set up his kingdom And to shut down the works of religion, religion that says you have to do something to earn it, but to say here is a free gift that God has come to give you, life in Christ forever. Tonight, tonight, would you allow Christ to take center stage of your life? And would you, like Mary, take a front row seat? Despite the doubts, despite the fear, despite the confusion, in the middle of all your brokenness, in the middle of all your pain, invite Jesus into your world.